0: Praise the Lord. Good day to you. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here at Crossway Church in the studio, and I'm glad to be gathered around God's word with you today. And uh, our study is in 1 Peter. We're in chapter 5. This is part 3 on the 7th day of July 2023, and uh, we're going to have a great time today in the Lord as the Holy Spirit Uh, unfolds the scriptures in the light of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Always remember Jesus is the light, but the cross is that which is the switch. Jesus Christ is the door to God, but the cross is the hinge that opens that door. And all of God's words point to the one who is the living word, and what he did as the Lamb of God for us so that his word could live in our hearts today. And I'm so thankful to know these things and to be sharing them with you this morning. So grab your Bibles. Let's get ready to jump in here in just a moment. But first, I wanna remind you that Determined Youth Camp is less than two weeks away. It's about a week and a half away. And uh, the 17th through the 20th, it's still not too late. If you want to get with us about registering to come, it's going to be a great time. People coming from all over the place to gather around the Lamb. Hallelujah. That means the focus is Calvary. And it's going to be a great time. Several young folks bringing the Word of God, worship, praise. And there will be activities for the young folks. And just a great time. And it's a a wonderful camp right outside of Palestine, uh, Texas. And it's just a beautiful place the 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 sleeping arrangements are freezing ac and nice and and the place we gather to worship in the auditorium is 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 almost like brand new and it's just wonderful and last year we had a great time in the Lord, and I know it's going to be greater this time. So, again, it's still not too late. You can get a hold of us and uh, get your form filled out. It's only $125 a person, and uh, that covers the food and the, the the sleeping arrangements and everything else. So it's a great time in the Lord, very cheap. So uh, we're just looking forward to seeing you there. All right, 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, let's begin this morning in this third session of chapter 5. And uh, in verse 5 is where we'll begin. And we're going to be discussing humility today. So grab your pencil, your paper, uh, whatever you need to be able to take notes and uh, just ask the Lord to to put these truths in your heart today, to make the light of his truths a little bit brighter uh, to your soul. And I know he's going to be faithful enough to do that for us all today. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject, or submit, one to another, and be clothed With humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Watch now, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And so let's look at this word today, humility, or being humble, because we do not of course, have the right to uh, interpret that any old way we want to. And, of course, we know, I hope most of us do anyway, that humility is not some lip hanging out in some way that we carry an appearance around with us. Humility, because of what the Bible says, it receives, which is grace, and that which, if it's not there, pride is there and God resists the proud, that lets us know humility is not the way we act because the way we act is not what gets us grace. Oh, see how good that is. It's not going around with my lip hanging out and I'm I'm just the politest guy in town and I'm the sweetest thing as honey roll. That's not humility because that doesn't get me grace. See how, see how awesome that already is, already. The, uh, humility gets me grace. And grace is how I must live through faith, by grace through faith, or I'm not even really in agreement with the Lord. I'm really not walking with the Lord. Nobody is walking with the Lord unless it's by grace through faith. Nobody, anytime, no nowhere. By grace through faith. And what's required before the by grace comes is humility. And it says here, and and rightly so, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. He's God, of course. And when he starts talking about submit yourselves to the elder, to the pastor, to those who are over you in leadership, he knows he's got to start talking about humility because without it, honey, we ain't submitting to nothing. We can't even make up a few rules and submit to them our own self. We're not submitting to nobody. That, that, that's, that's today's church. That's why folk go from church to church. I ain't submitting to nobody and when he starts acting like we starts talking about submitting to leadership, I'm out of here. Now I'm, I'm not going to be controlled uh, but, but that, that's today's church for the most part. And so he, the Holy Spirit knows th- that if we're going to submit, to the proper authorities, leadership, anything, that it's gonna require humility. If we're gonna get along in unity together and, and be found, listen carefully, Philippians 1 27 tells us that we are to be found by God among each other as the children of God, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Well, if even if that is what we're striving together for, It's going to take humility to continue to strive together for the faith of the gospel because we've got to find grace. We've got to have grace by faith to be able to walk with God, live for God, speak on God's behalf, minister, whatever we do. If it's not by grace through faith, It's flesh. It's nothing more than men's ability. And men have a lot of ability. Men have a lot of good gifts, but without grace through faith, it's just limited to the man and what he can do. And men can do a lot of things. We men can put on big shows and have great swelling words, but without by grace through faith, then it's just us. It's just us. Jesus said... You can do nothing, that means no thing, without me. He must be involved in everything we do if it's going to be fruitful unto the Lord. Just because I go do something good doesn't mean it's fruit unto the Lord. Jesus must be involved in me just doing something good doesn't mean he's involved. Remember, by grace through faith. And the only avenue that we experience grace through faith is when our faith is in the sacrifice of Christ that brings the grace we need. Remember, Galatians 5 says we can fall from grace, meaning the spirit of grace. You definitely need to know that great truth, that grace is not just floating around somewhere. Grace is the spirit of grace. Grace is what God does. Grace is the power of God. That means grace is the spirit of God, the spirit of grace. The book of Hebrews calls grace the spirit of grace. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men, Hebrews 2 and 9. Well, Hebrews 9 and 14 says that what Jesus did at the cross, the shedding of his blood, he did through the eternal spirit, the eternal spirit of grace. Grace is not just some power, it's Holy Spirit power. And the Holy Spirit of grace works exclusively within the perimeters of one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ, the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. And you need to know that. And we're going to see some things today. Maybe we've never seen. The Lord's going to open our eyes to the great truths this morning, at least a little bit <clears throat> of humility. And remember this. Let's start with this. Because Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. That means that any humility we function in is His humility. It's His humility. If God doesn't see the humility of Christ, then we're not functioning in humility and therefore cannot function by grace because He only, only gives grace, that means the working of the Holy Spirit to the humble. Get that now. I know most Christians have never heard anything like this. And I'm being honest. Most Christians have never heard anything like this. God gives grace, the working of the Holy Spirit, because that's what grace is, the working of the Holy Spirit. Grace is not just some power somewhere. Grace is what God does. I said grace is what God does. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for all men. Hebrews 2 and 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself. So grace is what God does when he finds faith in the sacrifice. Man, you need, you, you need to know this great truth. If not, then we'll go around acting like we're humble but not receiving grace. And we're going. I'm going to tell you something here in a minute. It's going to blow your mind. And we're going to pull it right out of the scriptures today. Not twisting, not adding, not taking away. Written right here, hidden. Not from us, but treasure hidden for us for those who are hungry to find. And it's simple truths that we're going to see today right here for us. But the reason the church hasn't seen, for the most part, hasn't seen these truths is because most are not looking through the cross, if you're not looking through the cross, my friend, if that's not where our faith literally, consciously, and deliberately is found, then we're not going to see properly. And we're going to sit like babes all our life in a nursery, in church, and just be rocked to sleep over and over with the same old things we've always heard. We already know that. The Lord wants to guide you into all truth. Amen. He wants us to begin to mature and to grow, exercising our faith, becoming experienced in the word of righteousness, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, meaning the word of the cross being applied to our lives. Hallelujah. So watch this now again in verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed clothed with humility. Such a drabby clothing garment to the world and even to much of the church today. The garment of humility is a drabby looking garment to men for the most part. But to God, it is the most beautiful garment that exists because it is the garment that Christ wore. The garment that took him to the cross, the garment that allowed him to lay his life down. Remember, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death, the death of Calvary, the death of the cross. Hallelujah. So. We must be clothed. It's what we wear. And and lately here at Crossway Church, we've been talking a little bit about putting on Christ, putting on the armor of light, putting on the whole armor of God, uh, having put on Christ and, and, and all these things that we're told to put on, knowing that when we were born again, we initially put them on because we were in the one, in Christ, through faith, in His death, who is all these things to us, our armor of God, the armor of light. And now we're being told to clothe ourselves with humility. This is also being clothed with Christ because it's his humility or it's not humility that's going to get grace. You have to understand that Everything Jesus did in his life, in his sinless life and and ministry, was by grace through faith. But only when he died, being humble and obedient unto death by grace through faith, did the door open the door did not open to you and me in his sin during his sinless life of miracles and ministry the door that he became and tells us twice that he is to us in john 10 he says he is the door and the, the place the only one place that the door to god opened is at the cross it's it's the only place that his grace was offered to us initially though he lived by grace through faith we could not enter in to this place of being saved by grace through faith until we believed In his death for the forgiveness of our sins. And let's make sure we understand this without our faith literally there. Deliberately still there from our heart. Uh, Consciously. I know what I'm trusting in. My union with my Jesus in his death. That's my hiding place. It's what makes him my refuge. It's what makes... Him, the armor of being my light. Hallelujah. The cross is what makes Jesus who he is to me every step of the way. But I must consciously and deliberately, that means I know what I'm doing. I'm aware of my need. I'm aware of where my faith is. I'm aware of when men try to lead me away and distract me and make me look away from the very glorious image that I'm being made conformed Formable to 2 Corinthians 3.18, and, and, and I must fight to keep believing this faith, and it's not pride. It's not elitism, my friends, as many will accuse you of that as you become determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, but it's the fight of your life. To to not be distracted from what God says, you have to be beholding to be being conformed into that very image by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. But it takes humility because without humility, there is no grace. And Jesus became the open door for all the humility that's required of us, all the grace that we must have. Jesus Open the door and only through that door of his death does humility and grace flow to us. If we're just trying to be humble, it won't work. Faith in his death allows us to be humble to receive the grace we need for obedience to the faith. That's what the Bible says in verse 6. Uh, says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And the example here is, of course, Christ being exalted because he humbled himself even obediently unto death on the cross. That's what got him exalted, is it not? That's what allowed God to give him a name above every other name, hallelujah, was his endurance by grace, through faith, through humility and obedience unto the death of Calvary is what got the exaltation of Christ. And hear me this morning, His exaltation for me as a believer is my exaltation. But I get to experience that when my faith is in what allowed God to exalt him, not because I go around quoting something, not because I'm doing something, but because my faith is deliberately and consciously in his death. That's where my union is with him. Because of his love for me, he gave himself for me. There he called me. There he introduced himself to me. There he inducted me, immersed me into who he is by his spirit. There he justified me. There he dressed me in his armor, all the armor of God. There he dressed me in his armor of light. There he clothed me with humility. Hallelujah. So that I could taste and continue to taste of the grace of God that he tasted of for me in death on Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. So simple, so beautiful. But let's look at this again in verse 5 and make sure we don't go too fast through this because I don't care who we are, where we are, what we think about ourselves, how mature we think we might be. If God cannot find the faith of the Son of God... If God cannot find the faith of the Son of God that the Bible says in Galatians 2.20 that we live by, then he can't give grace to that. He can't give grace. God cannot give grace to anything but the faith of the Son of God found in our hearts. Paul said that we live in this flesh by the faith of the Son of God. That loved us and gave himself for us. That's Galatians 2.20. That's the faith the Lord is looking for to be able to give grace to. you got to understand this. Everything that we have to function by or in or through, it belongs to Christ. Whether it's humility, whether it's grace whether it's faith, it doesn't matter what it is. We sometimes think that being a joint heir with Christ and we start thinking about the riches of heaven one day and all that. No, we need to also remember that being a joint heir of Christ, that means that anything we have access to belongs to him. It is his. And the only way that he obtained it was by dying as the lamb on Calvary's tree. Isn't that what Revelation chapter 5 tells us? That the lamb, they're singing a song in heaven. We'll all be there singing it soon, all of us. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive riches, glory, power, blessing. Let me say it again. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive riches, glory, power, blessing, honor, so that he could distribute through his death those who he finds faith in his death every moment of our lives by grace, by grace. You see, for us to be able to say, oh, taste and see, that the Lord is good, then we must be tasting the same thing by faith that our Savior tasted of, which was death. Christians love, and rightly so, that we've been pardoned from our sins. My goodness, aren't you glad that you're saved and that God, His wrath is no longer against you? But now you know He loves you, He's accepted you, He's brought you into the Beloved. He's stamped justified, clear from all guilt and shame upon you. But let me say to you, what we're really not fond of is being crucified with Christ. And that's where the rubber begins to meet the highway. And that's where most Christians begin to pull away. When we begin to hear things such as how ugly and deceiving our own self is. And how controlling our own self is. Can be and how selfish and conceited and self-righteous and all those ugly words that self can be. And, and, and when we begin to hear that, uh, it rubs the hair the wrong way on the cat, so to speak. It begins to ruffle our feathers. But we like being pardoned but crucified with Christ. We must be found learning of that part Because that's what's going to help us learn to taste of what we should be eating and drinking. Jesus said it's his flesh and his blood. Hallelujah. That means faith in his death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And then and only then are we going to be able to say, Oh, taste and see. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, You can't enter the kingdom. You can't even see it unless you're born again, John 3, 3 through 5. So our eyes come open and we see when we're saved because we've tasted by faith in what Jesus did by grace through faith on Calvary's cross. See how simple and beautiful that is. When you were born again, you tasted of the flesh and the blood of Jesus. You tasted, meaning that means you tasted of his death. Amen. You died with him. You were buried with him, raised to newness of life in him. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So look at this now. In verse 5, we're told that God resists the proud. He cannot give grace to the proud. And the proud heart <clears throat> is not necessarily the man running all over town with his chest sticking out because he owns half the businesses in town. He's got a, a three-quarters of all the money in town. Listen, pride is found where a heart is not trusting in Calvary. Pride is there. Pride is what prevents the heart from trusting in the death of Jesus. So when we hear preachers say, do we really want that message in our town? Why does it always have to be about the cross? Because we never want pride to have a, a shot, an, a, a, a crack, a, a little sliver to wiggle into. Because while we're not trusting in the cross, we're trusting in ourselves. There's only two options. Romans 6 16 reveal that. There's not a third option. While we're not trusting in the death of Jesus, we're trusting in self. There's no idle time, there's no uh, complacency. What we might call, well, I wasn't really trusting in anything, yeah? We always trust in, in something, and our actions prove it. Our tongues prove it. Amen, Brother Curtis. But God never gives grace where there's pride. He never gives grace where there's pride. He gives grace to the humble. Who are the humble? Those who trust in the only place grace comes from. The death of Jesus. It comes from nowhere else. Jesus tasted death by the grace of God. It comes from nowhere else. You need to think about these things. You need to begin to understand these things. This is why we must learn to love God's righteousness, hunger and thirst after his righteousness. Learn to have a love more than ever so, increasingly so, for the truth every single moment of our lives. Hallelujah. Watch this now. I've got some things to share with you today. Humble yourselves, therefore. Humble yourselves, That means you got to go back to the dressing room, my friend, where the garment of humility was placed on you to begin with as a child of God. I mentioned that Wednesday night, and the Lord has recently shared that with me in my writing of the commentary that I write in my meditation time and prayer time, which is pretty much most of the time. And he told me the other day that the cross of his son is the dressing room. That's where we were dressed. That's where we were armed. That's where we were placed into the one who all these things are to us. Be clothed with humility. That's the humility of Christ. The cross is the dressing room. And hear this very important statement. If we were clothed in all these things initially at the born again experience and we were. We definitely were. God gave us everything we needed to live this life, to live in victory when we were born again. But then we find in the scriptures that are written to already saved people that we're told to put on Christ, put on the whole armor of God, put on the armor of light, cast off the works of darkness. This is to saved people. This means that we find ourselves not functioning by faith in the very thing we began in that keeps us clothed in what God clothed us with when we began. Our first step into Christ through faith in his death, God completely covered us covered us in the armor of life the whole armor of God the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the the the, the loin belt of truth the gospel shoes of peace uh, uh, the sword uh, of truth uh, every We need we were clothed because we were in Christ and He is all these things to us. But hear me carefully, the experience of all that we were clothed with demands that our faith be exclusively in that one object, not two, one object that allowed God. To arm us and clothe us with all of these things. And today we're talking about being clothed with humility. And we're being told to be clothed with humility. We started out clothed, being clothed with humility. But here's another opportunity for us to see we can find ourselves functioning outside of of this garment of humility. It's called pride. It's called the lust of the flesh. It's called, I gotta go get something I want, and I'll be back with you, God, after a while, or I'm, I've got to take this into my own hands. And songs, even in the Christian realm today, so to speak, are, are written, and I've mentioned this a few times, and, and, and I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm noticing things that we as people write songs that say, Lord, fight for me when I can't fight for myself. Well, listen, you can't fight by yourself for yourself any time. If Jesus is not involved, the one who fought the fight and won the fight on Calvary's tree, your fight is in vain. If we're building and it's not the Lord building, we're told in Psalms 127 that the, our building is in vain if it's not the Lord doing the building. Hallelujah. So know this today. You and I are being told to humble ourselves. That means come back to the place where we were clothed to begin with in the humility of Christ. It's not your humility unless it's the humility of Christ. You're not living by faith unless it's the faith of the Son of God, Galatians 2 and 20. It's such a simple truth, but mostly not taught, not preached, because Men preachers are not looking to and through the sacrifice of Christ. It's the only place we can see clearly and even though we look through a glass dimly we can see more and more clearly because God tells us the path he put us on in our first step to walk with him was the path of righteousness and he says in proverbs 4:18 that that path shines more and more hallelujah That means we're seeing more clearly the way of God, which is the way of the cross. Humility and obedience unto death. So let's look at some things here this morning. Scriptural, you might want to write this down. Now we've already covered this, but I'm going to say it in a way that's going to make you look at it. It's going to make you that care look at it. Scriptural humility is always found obedient unto death the death of christ crucified humility is always found in obedience unto the death of excuse me jesus christ crucified let's look at philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 9 this morning Watch what the scriptures say to those of you who are hungry for the word of God to literally be the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. Literally, not just the verse we quote, but today in this moment to find God's word lighting up my feet and showing me the path they need to be on. Watch carefully this morning, Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Let this mind... Not any old mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Oh, that's our problem today. Oh, that's our problem today. We're trying to make ourselves known instead of the one who's made himself known to us. Oh, it's a problem we have today. It's called pride. He, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. It's talking about God becoming a man. And be, here it comes. Are you ready for this this morning? And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is where humility functions. Humility does not function outside of this avenue. No, no. Humility does not function outside of this avenue. Humility gets grace, and grace, when we're, we receive grace, the Bible says, We've received grace for obedience to the faith. Oh, my goodness. How simple and powerful. How how great is that treasure? How great is that treasure to know that if I'm going to experience true scriptural humility, it's got to be the humility of Christ. And what does that humility do? What did it do for Christ? He He humbled himself and became obedient unto death humility gets grace receives grace humility receives grace because God don't give it to anybody else except the humble humility receives grace For obedience to the faith, let's turn. Let's look at that. Romans chapter one verse five. We'll come back to Philippians. We're not done there, but look at Romans chapter one verse five. By whom? Talking about Jesus Christ. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name. Why? How did we receive? What did we receive grace for? Obedience to the faith. Remember, you can't ever get away from Galatians 2 and 20. If we're living for God by scriptural grace through faith, it's the faith of Jesus Christ we're living by or we're not living. And the faith he lived by carried him to Calvary where the door was opened to us so that the death He tasted of by grace that He was receiving because He was humbling Himself. God only gives grace to the humble. That's why Jesus could taste death by the grace of God because He humbled Himself and became obedient unto the death of the cross. And you and I were born again... Because our faith was in his death. We were immersed into his death, Romans 6, 3. And we tasted of that same death that he tasted of by faith. We drank of that same cup. We didn't die and forgive ourselves of our sins. The sinless one did that. He took our sins upon himself and gave us the righteousness of who he was, the sinless one. Think about this. Only the humble get grace. Jesus humbled himself and by the grace of God tasted death through obedience for all men. Hallelujah. Get that now. So let's go back and let me say this again. Scriptural humility is always found... Obedient unto the death of Jesus. See, isn't that what we became? God says when we obeyed that form of doctrine. See that in Hebrew. And I'm sorry, Romans chapter six, verses seventeen and eighteen. It doesn't say there. When we believed that form of doctrine, which is what we did, but the way God sees things is different than the way we see things. We we had to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did at Calvary to be saved, but the moment our hearts trusted in His righteousness, which is what He did in death by grace through faith on, on the tree of Calvary, God says, you've now obeyed that form of doctrine. You've obeyed that form of doctrine. What does that mean? God has now offered you the obedience of Christ. He sees you having received the obedience of Christ because remember, we can do nothing without Christ and whatever we do without Him is not fruitful unto God, can't glorify God. So anything we have, whether it's humility, it's His. If it's faith, it's His. If it's grace, it's His. They don't care what it is, it's His. So we anything that we have and we're calling it ours, it's because it's His. When Jesus would heal people and say, your faith has made you whole, you got to be careful what you do with that. The only reason He says your faith is because what He did by grace through faith was passed on to them. When he says your faith, he he tells them it was their faith that made them whole because they were trusting in who he was and what he was doing by grace through faith because we have nothing that's not his. And the experience of it is not just because it's his, he must be involved in it. This is why we must put on Humility. It is what we must be clothed with because this garment of humility, meaning that our faith is literally, deliberately and consciously in His death. What He did for me to pardon me and what He did there for me so that I could be crucified with Him, that I might wear the garment of humility to receive grace that He tasted death by. Grace comes from nowhere but the cross, my friends. Nowhere but the cross. So scriptural, biblical humility is always found receiving grace for obedience to the faith. Outside of that, it's not biblical humility, and it can't receive biblical grace because in that, if If the object of faith is wrong, then the humility is not what we think it is and the grace is not what we're calling it. Everything centers around that object of faith being the sacrifice, the death, the cross, the gospel whatever word you want to use, but it must be your union with Christ in his death. It must be his death that is the center of everything because that is our gathering around the Lamb. You need to understand that. Someone recently made the comment to me that everything doesn't begin and end with the cross, but that is one of the most wrong comments that could ever be made the lamb has been slain even before the foundation of the world and my friends that doesn't mean at some given moment in eternity past that means the lamb had always been slain in the mind, the plan of God there was never a time that the lamb was not slain before the foundation of the world because God can't have a new thought If God has a new thought, if something new comes in his mind, that means there was a time when he did not know everything and that his plan was not complete. But God's plan has always been complete throughout all eternity. His thoughts have always been complete. Now, that's a lot for us to say and to imagine, and we can't really do it completely or fully, but it's true. And even the throne of God is established in righteousness. And that word doesn't need to even exist without men's sinfulness and Christ's perfection, sinless perfection, and then His sin-bearing offering. His throne is established in righteousness, meaning in and through Christ and what He did at Calvary. Everyone in heaven is gathered around the Lamb, slain, singing about the slain Lamb, what He did at Calvary. He will forever keep the marks on His body. In a trillion light years from this moment, He will have the scars on His body. We will never get past the cross. Everything with God among men will have always been about the cross. And that's why... You have to be mindful of the sacrifice of Christ moment by moment. Hallelujah. So let's go back to Philippians 2, 5 through 9, and let's look at verse 8 again. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So let me make this comment one more time that we've showed you in the Scriptures this morning, the Holy Spirit's got to give it to you, but He will, those that fear Him, those that love Him, the, the, those that have the love of the Spirit in their hearts, they, the Lord will show them these simple yet grand and marvelous treasures of truth in the Word. Scriptural humility. Not what we call humility. Scriptural humility is something we wear that God recognizes we had it on and he gives grace to and that grace received to those individuals is for obedience to the faith. That's obedience to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ whose faith we live by, move by, have our very being by. Hallelujah. So think about that. And again, Romans 6, 17, and 18 calls it that when we believed with the heart under righteousness, the death of Jesus, His righteous work at Calvary. God says, you've obeyed that form of doctrine which was delivered you, freeing you, making you free from sin and servants of righteousness." Because this whole work of Calvary is a, is a judicial and a, and a military move of God. It's, let me say that again. It's a judicial, justified, and, 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 and military picture to God. Because Jesus is the captain of our salvation. He calls us good soldiers. We're dressed in the whole armor of God. And I know these are analogies, but this is the way God wants us to see it. It is the way God wants us to see it. That's why we must fight the good fight of faith to lay hold on the eternal life we already have as God's people. But we must learn to wear the cloak of humility so that we might receive grace. And again, that's not the big lip club. That's not going around with actions and being polite and and well-mannered. We all need to be acting like that, but that doesn't get us grace. The heart that reaches and touches the cross, the death of Jesus, gets the grace of God and no other God doesn't give us grace because we're going to do something. God gives us grace because we're believing the one thing we have to be touching with our heart to receive grace. And then the Holy Spirit guides us in all the doing. Remember, we're His workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. We don't decide what we'll go do and God give us grace for it. We... Decide that we will, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to maintain my faith in where I first placed it that allowed me to be fully armed, fully cloaked, fully covered in Christ Jesus who is my humility, who by His, by, by his death tasted grace. This is why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 4 that he through weakness was crucified because God's grace is God's strength made perfect in weakness. And at the cross, he was crucified through weakness as he tasted death by the grace of God, the grace of God becoming the perfect strength of God listen the perfect strength of God in his weakness at the cross so powerful was God's strength at the cross the most the, the most powerful move of God among men that that's ever been seen by those who can see it and, and, and you need to understand these things hallelujah it's just so exciting let me make the comment again because it's so true scripturally true. Scriptural humility, not what we want to name it and tag it and make it be, that we that self and flesh wants to make it be. Scriptural humility is always found with the result of receiving grace for obedience to the faith. Again, Romans 1:5, if you missed it. So that's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's pretty powerful. That's precious. That's gold. So listen to this also, that here we're told in this scripture, humble yourselves therefore, that means clothe yourselves with humility because that's the only way that we can humble ourselves is go back, go back to where we were cloaked, robed in that garment of humility. Go back. You can't, you can't just decide you're going to be humble today. No, that's just you choosing to try to be nice, try to be good, try, to de- try, try, try. try. That's not the Holy Spirit. We don't decide we're going to be humble, decide we're going to be good. We decide, we choose, we're going to maintain our faith in the death of Jesus. We, we're going to choose to serve obedience, Romans 6, 16, unto righteousness, the fruit of Righteousness, the fruit of the righteous work Jesus provided in his death on Calvary's tree. Hallelujah. We're not going to choose to serve the sin nature unto death the sin nature that keeps us prideful even though we're well mannered nice and polite can quote scriptures a hundred mile an hour and carry ourselves and we can just speak so well and we can put on a good show but without faith in the sacrifice it's only a good show of man among men and it's without humility it may be nice polite and well mannered and pulling out the chairs for the people and so softly spoken and well spoken and the church is duped and seduced over the way that men present things instead of what they're presenting. That's why Jesus taught you better be very careful. You better take heed what you hear and how you hear. I mean, I saw a video yesterday of of, uh, of, of a homosexual uh, church talking about Jesus having two fathers and, and all this they believe in love they believe in Jesus Christ but they believe he had two fathers uh, and all this stuff about light becoming a rainbow and all that Th- listen let me say to you right now if your faith is not deliberately and consciously in, your, in, in Christ's death for you meaning that you know you were crucified with him If that's not where your faith is, you're going to be carried off in all this false love stuff. Let me remind you that anything God says is an abomination doesn't have His love in it anywhere. Anything that God calls an abomination does not have His love in it anywhere. God's love is not found in anything that's an abomination to Him. And men lying with women, women lying with women in the Old Covenant, that said caused them to be put to death. Under the New Covenant, it's still not people being stoned and put physically to death, but they are spiritually dead and out of union, out of communion, out of fellowship with the true biblical Jesus and folk need to hear that today. The church needs to hear this because I have watched with my own eyes parents who stood against these abominations that are growing in our nation and all over the world becoming more in our face and trying to be stuffed down our throat. I've watched Christian parents who a child gets out there, gets entangled in these things and all of a sudden now the parents are are, are, are beginning to say, well, you know, it's okay and, and they're being tolerant of these things. And my friend, my friend, there is no love in anything that's an abomination to God. Oh, God loves the person, but whatever is an abomination carries in it No love of God. No love of God is in anything that God calls an abomination. So we have to be very careful that we're not carried off into all this love stuff that is not the love of the truth of God's Word. Hallelujah. That always brings us those who are cloaked in Christ. The the biblical Jesus is humility, and receives grace for obedience to the faith. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Now let's look at this phrase in verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore. What for? Because God only gives grace to the humble. We're being told to humble ourselves. That's not taking deep breath and Oh, I've just got to humble myself and go through this. No, that means I got to go to Calvary. Oh, I got to go to Calvary. Hallelujah. I got to come back to where I began. It's the dressing room. It's where I now can be cloaked again in Christ's humility. It's where I can now once again have that armor of light on that I need, that whole armor of God. Hallelujah. Anything I'm told to put on, even this cloak of humility, I got to go back to where I was clothed. I don't just take a deep breath and walk around the house three or four times and get my mind on the Word of God and quote a few scriptures. No, I got to go back to where it all took place, my friend. I've got to go back to the dressing room, the place it's all put on. Simply my faith In the death of Jesus. My union there with him in his death. I'm dead. The Bible tells us at Colossians 3 and 3. I am dead. Hidden with Christ in God. I'm dead. I'm not here trying to make a name for myself. I'm dead. Hidden with Christ in God. Watch this now. Humble yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand... Of God. The mighty hand of God, the Bible says, that He may exalt you in due time. In due time. The cloak of humility receives grace to endure in the obedience of the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us that we may also be exalted in due time just like Christ was exalted in due time. The Bible says he was exalted and given a name above every name that every Tongue shall confess to that name, that man, that he is Lord, and every knee will bow before him. Hallelujah. Because the exaltation began at the cross. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men. The exaltation of Christ began in his being lifted up by God on the cross... And that exaltation, that being lifted up is what allows him to draw all men and to continue to exalt us in due time. It's through the cross alone. It's through the cross alone. Even when the Bible tells us don't don't grow weary in well-doing because God will exalt you in due time, our well-doing is the doing of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace in our lives who can only work if he finds the faith of the Son of God being held on to in our hearts, meaning that our hearts are now in this moment trusting in his righteous work on the cross, his death. That's where our unity with Christ is, my friends. It's in his death. That's where we became one with him, in his death. Hallelujah. I'm glad to know that today. And the naysayers and all the ones who are are ministers that are clouds without rain, I pray that they eventually step into this great truth, this place of becoming determined to know nothing other than Christ in Him crucified. My goodness. But I want to say this. I don't have but two minutes left. I want to say this before we close today. When the Bible, and you can look this up for yourself, and I always hope and pray that you will. But when the Bible says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, when you do a search on that the mighty hand of God, get this now, when you do a search on that phrase, the mighty hand of God or the hand of God, every single New Testament that that is written, it's talking about Jesus being now at the right hand of God. He's talking about Jesus being at the exalted place at the right hand of God. Every New Testament Bible verse that speaks of the right hand of God is talking about Jesus being in heaven at the right hand of the throne of His Father. Every one of them. His exalted place. That's why it says here, humble yourselves. Wear that cloak of humility that gets grace. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, who Christ is in his exalted position at the right hand of God, that you will find yourself in experience in that exalted place. You see, the cross is an ugly sight. And it's a message of death. But out of that message of death is the only message that brings life. Life only comes out of death. Love only comes out of the death of grace, only com- humility only comes out of the death of Jesus into the hearts that are touching, touching that sacrifice. By faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe we'll get more into this next week. Uh, well, of course, we're out of time. These hours go quicker than, than any hour in my life. This hour on Friday morning uh, and, and Monday morning and the hours that I teach and preach anywhere go by so quick. But my prayer is today that you would get your Bibles and you would follow along with what the Lord has shown you today. And you would let Him show you even the deeper truths of what He is offered you today. It cannot be applied to your heart unless you allow Him to take you back to Calvary. It has to be your focus, my friend. It can't just be your starting place. It has to be, moment by moment, the place your faith rests in the crucified. Yes, buried and resurrected, but the Bible doesn't say we're being conformed into the image of His, of his burial or His resurrection, but rather His death. That's what we're being conformed into the image of because that's where God saw the perfect humiliation of a man, the perfect humility, perfect obedience, receiving grace untainted, perfection for you and me, and it's the only door He offers it to anyone at any given moment. Therefore, Let us have grace today. Glory be to God. I love you. I'm praying for you. Those of you who are struggling and you're in the battle for your life, you're in the battle for things physically, for things mentally, for things spiritually, financially, emotionally, whatever it is, our Jesus covered it at Calvary. And you have no fears. You're in the palm of his hands. And if you seem as though you're being squeezed tight through these hard times, know this. It's because He's holding you a little tighter. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I pray that you would pray for us and help us continue to stand without wavering through all the distractions that come to attempt to move us from being determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. And if the Lord stirs your heart to sow an offering to Him through this ministry, as I always say, that's between you and Him. But it's easily done at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you. I love you. I pray that the Lord's touch be upon you to touch whatever need you have today. That miracle work and power that flows from who He is and what He's done on Calvary's tree in Jesus' name. I'll see you Sunday morning. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.